Podcast 60, Book List, Part 1. Sponsored by my buddies at PantryParatus.com. They sell food preservation tools. Produce, prepare, preserve your own harvest. Is everybody awake now? That's that's our theme music for the day. Oh, okay, great. Uh, we'll try we're trying it out. See how it goes. All right, so so today, uh, apparently, a bunch of people have asked for a podcast talking about books, like what what books I know. Right. We're actually getting back to the um, podcast topic request thread on the Tinkering with the Site forum at com, And um, you had mentioned that you'd read over 100 gardening books one summer and mentioned other books. And so several people there asked, you know, for a list of those and what books you have. Right. So, so at the moment, you know, okay, we'll get to that. I, we're driving to uh, our vacation. We're, we're going to go to the Oregon coast, and we're and there was it's kind of like oh we're driving along. We got to do something. How can we be productive with this time? So we've we've spent what the last hour trying to remember the titles of books. <laughs> We started this list a while back, to be fair, and then we did expand it quite a bit on on the road so far, and even when we pulled over for lunch. So um, there, you know, you said actually over a span of time, from 1994 to 2001, you were just reading books about this kind of stuff uh, like crazy, and then there's that one particular summer you would get books and more books from the Missoula Library. Right, so I think it was in 1994, or maybe it was the summer of maybe it was the summer of 1995, um, when I went to the Missoula Public Library and I checked out uh, more than 100 books on gardening, and it was throughout the summer, so they give you three weeks. So I would get a pile, take them home, read them all, uh, and then go back and get another pile, and you know, I, it was well over 100 books. I, there's no way I can remember all those titles from 1994. Um, well, and, and since then, you've been uh, switched from reading about gardening to more and more permaculture topics and expanded, um, I think, to a lot of different permaculture topics. And that's, we have about 50 books to touch on, and we'll just kind of go through. These are books that um, that have made an impact on you and an impression, a favorable impression and what you like them for. You know, some of them have specific applications, some don't. Um, but just going back to those hundred gardening books, you started um, taking notes, and you said you're not a note taker. Oh, right. Normally, I, I never take, like, anytime I was going to school or college or, uh, you know, even, like, my master gardener classes and stuff, I never took notes. I never wrote anything down. Instead, I I, uh, I just read the book and focus. And, and uh, But then... Um, Somewhere about halfway through the summer, I started seeing a lot of information that kept popping up, and I felt like I need to write this bit down and then do my own comparative thing later. And so um, for every uh, every gardening plant that I wanted to grow, because then my focus was just gardening, um, and for every gardening plant I wanted to grow, I, uh, I would write down tidbits of information. Specifically, the most important, I thought, was uh, the pH, 
that you know the best pH for growing this species, um, and then also uh, companion plant stuff and any special mulching notes. There were a couple of books I read where they did massive research on just. Uh, uh, what um, what mulch worked best with what plant, and uh, and it was really interesting. I mean, there were some mulches that were pretty universally great, and uh, and then there were others where it's like you know like wood chips really didn't work with anything except for raspberries. For some reason, raspberries really loved wood chips and sawdust and all that stuff. And while all plants would benefit from them, there was usually like uh, some other mulch that would work better. Um, oh, and on that note, uh, last night and this morning, um, there was a guy who directed me to something that he wrote on Facebook, a very large article uh, complete with a very rich bibliography uh, going into a lot of detail about how toxic cardboard is in, the, I believe, in the garden. And, and uh, he went into a lot of details about a lot of specific toxins. It was um, scary. It was, wow. it was spooky. Isn't there a thread out on permies about using cardboard or newspaper? In, in a thread and a video. And, uh, and so then I, I, I directed him to the thread, and I said, hey, do you want to, like, put that there? And he said, go ahead and copy it. Uh, because his stuff's on Facebook that requires like a name and password in order to get at it. So he said, go ahead and copy it. So I copied it over this morning. Uh, just copy and paste. Anyway, all right. So uh, notes. I took lots and lots of notes. Anything that I thought was like something that I might not remember um, and for a particular species, I, I wrote it down. And uh, so I've got three three-ring binders full of these notes. That's a lot of data. So um, let's dive into the books now. Ready? Okay. These books are books that I can remember <laughs> just off the top of my head. I suppose like looking over my bookshelf or, or looking over Amazon or looking over something that might help me to remember. Um, so just what we could, and I'm horribly afraid that I'm going to slight some awesome author because I didn't manage to remember their book, uh, you know, when when asked to, and it was like, you know, there's a couple of them where it's like, oh, I'm glad we remembered that one. Uh, that would have been awful to have not included that in the list. I'm, I'll bet you that there's still a bunch. Right. Well, and these are in random order, too. So there's about 50 of them. Um, there's some that you want to read more. There's some that you read a long time ago. Um, but I know one that you recommend all the time for beginning gardeners with less than five acres is Square Foot Gardening, right? I, I, so Square Foot Gardening is the book that I recommend for anybody who's never raised a garden before. And, uh, and so the thing is, is a lot of permaculture stuff is just going to be overwhelming and not make sense. You, you need to know that you plant your peas several months before you plant your tomatoes and why that is. And you've got to kind of get this down. Square foot gardening does a good job of giving you an idea of how much space a plant is going to need, why would you care about that, and, and uh, a variety of other things. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in there that isn't going to fit with permaculture, but there's also a lot of stuff in there that really gets you started. And Mel Bartholomew has, uh, he, he man if I remember correctly, I mean, I read his book, Originally, I think I read his book four times. 
um, back in 1995. And um, if I remember correctly, he worked as a, a guy uh, that manages one of those um, community gardens where you can come and you can get your own little plot. And there's like 100 people have 100 little plots of garden in the community garden. And, and then he would describe the, the nutty things that he saw. And so he wanted to make something that would be really easy for everybody to come in and make best use of their little plot. And uh, so it was really good stuff, I, I, I thought. So. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's the first one that came to mind. And then we, of course, are, are talking about Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway um, separately from this. True. Um, let, me, let me say a few more things. While, while you were taking the, the contraption away there, I thought, oh, you know what? I need to say some more things about square foot gardening. Uh, and, and that is that the, it's, got, it's loaded with charts. And the charts are so, so simple. The charts say, uh, here's when you plant, here's when you transplant. And of course, I'm going to advocate against transplanting, but most gardeners start off transplanting. And uh, um, it's, it's just got these places where all kinds of calendars, and it gives you a really good idea of like, oh, do you harvest it once you're done, or do you continue to harvest it over several weeks, or, uh, or what? Um, it's, and then plus, can you, do you only start it at one particular time, or can you start more and start more and start more later? Uh, and he's got all the strategies of what all the different people do for all these different kinds of typical garden plants. Um, and, yeah, so I, I really think even, even permaculture folks, unless, unless they've really got the cycles of different kinds of uh, garden plants down, they really should see this. Okay. Good, good enough. And then uh, Gaia's Garden by Toby Hemingway is, is um, I think you compare that, uh, I think I had this a little wrong. So someone who has a smaller, more suburban or urban uh, permaculture site, I think you recommend Toby's book as opposed to the big designer's manual. Is that right? Right. For anybody that's working like with five acres or less, um, and it's like I, I say, if you're going to buy only one gardening or only one book, only one permaculture book, then uh, the one book to buy, if it's five acres or less, is Toby Hemingway's book. Now, granted, uh, if you've got more than five acres, uh, the book is still going to be a huge help. Um, but then, yeah, then I recommend if you're going to if you have more than five acres, I, and you're going to have only one gardening book or only one permaculture book, then uh, the one I recommend is the designer's manual. It goes a lot more into um, uh, reshaping the land with big equipment. Right, which is which is more important to understand and think about when you have more property. I think so. I. Um, I, I think it's going to have a lot more benefit, and uh, plus I can't help but think that if you're really going to start traveling permaculture road, you're going to end up getting Toby's book anyway. Okay. And then um, two other books that uh, have to do with human um, human output, shall we call that, are um, Liquid Gold and the Humanure Handbook. So uh, the Humanure Handbook uh, is available for free online, uh, legitimately. I mean, there's, there's some of these books are available for free online, and it's not okay. Um, 
but um, uh, the Humanor book, the handbook is one that's available for free. I think that there's a lot of good information in there, um, and and uh, there's a, there's several. There's a few points. I mean, I think I think he's blazed a trail. Hats off, blazed an awesome trail, and something that really needed to be done. And uh, there are a few things that I would like to see refined in it. Uh, you know, and one is is that in the book he mentions. Um, that people shouldn't be afraid of poop, and I, I think people um, should embrace their poopophobia. I think that there's a good reason it's there. Um, you know, there are pathogens in that, and then, and then because he uh, he's elected to not fear his poop, he doesn't fear throwing it on a compost pile where it could be raining and rinse all the uh, the NPK and the pathogens, you know, uh, into. Uh, into the groundwater, uh, I, and I have problems with that. Um, uh, and then there's the issue of separating pee and poop, which which is covered better in Carol Steinfeld's book, Liquid Gold. Uh, Liquid Gold I found to be a good book, really tiny book, um, uh, and it, it, it covers, I, I think it very thoroughly covers the topic of human urine, and, uh, and I think it is legit. You don't need to be afraid of human urine. I... Um, I, I do know that you can. Uh, uh, there, there are there are things that it can do that can be bad. Like if you wet your pants, then you're going to get a rash, just like babies do. You know, so it's like you know, be careful with it. I mean, basically that it, it's like bacteria food. Um, and so just keep in mind that uh, when it comes out, it's sterile and clean, and then. Um, it could go off and do awesome things for soil. I mean, it it, uh, it has NDK in it, and it also has uh, sugar in it, uh, and it has other things in it that the bacteria will just go yum yum. And so it's it's a real great soil builder. Okay. And there was a pretty good example of that in a thread on Permies as well. Someone who had put too much carbon mulch around her plants and was struggling. Yeah, I think we mentioned that in the podcast okay. earlier. Okay. Okay. Um, now, we didn't recall the titles of the books for this uh, person, and she's probably more of an organic gardener than um, a permaculture um gardener or permaculture designer, but Ruth Stout has had a, lo- a huge impact on you, and, and, and maybe you can explain why. The garden naked. <laughs> I, I, I thought I heard somewhere that Ruth Stout gardens naked. Of course, uh, I, think, I think her book is from the 1920s. And um, I uh, I saw a, a little video, maybe it was on YouTube, and I think the video was taken in like the late 70s or something, and she was a fossil. Um, and uh, um, basically, it, it was great in the video. She goes out and she's like, uh, takes some seeds out, pulls up a little bit of hay, tosses some seeds in her, and she's there, I'm done, I planted my garden. And, uh, but anyway, no, it was the book. I don't know. I don't remember the title, but I did read it in 1995 when I read those hundred books. And, um, uh, it was like such a breath of fresh air because most of those books that I read were like copied from some of the others. There's, there's probably 20 of those books were almost identical. Um, and it was just so annoying to open another book and realize, wait a minute, I've already read this one. And, uh, but it's got like a whole different title and a whole different author and a whole different look. But you get to, I got to Ruth Stout's book and it's like, 
Wow. Wow. This is so good. And it's it's an old book. So, um... She's, uh, sorry, she's the queen of mulch, basically, right? Uh, kind of, sort of, a little bit. Um, she started off with the idea that when you gardened, I mean, almost all gardening was based on large-scale agriculture. So it's like when you're, if you're going to have a garden, then what you need to do is you need to have the local guy with the plow come over to your garden patch and plow it. And usually you've already gone and piled on a whole bunch of horse manure or something like that. And then, uh, and so then it gets all plowed, so that way the manure gets worked in, and then you can start doing your gardening for the year. And then, and so one year, um, the the guy's not showing up on time for one reason or another, so she kind of gets frustrated. So she somehow, I'm not sure exactly how she made the leap, but she went and she took a big bunch of hay and started spreading it out over the garden. And uh, and then she would just, you know, instead of working it in, she just plant between uh, the bits of hay, uh, and and uh, she had a fantastically awesome garden that year, and like it was, you know, far less effort and far more productive, and uh, so then she, uh, you know, did it year after year uh, with slight variations, and then wrote the book. Um, and 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 she wasn't she's you know she she admits starting off to not being much of a gardener but you know she's living out in the country and this is what you do when you're out in the country uh, so um, just an excellent book she also had a thing in the book about how uh, she decided not to have a compost pile anymore uh, she just would take her compostable materials that she would throw into the compost pile and just lay it out in the garden in between stuff. And uh, so sheet composting, effectively. Um, uh, when I read the book, I kind of thought, oh, I'm not going to do that. And now I, I think that, that that's actually smarter than having a compost pile. Right. And, and Toby made some comments a little bit like that in Gaia's Garden, too, that composting is not the most energy-efficient way to take care of things like that. True. True, and I, I think I've got uh, some video of him kind of talking about that a little bit too, uh, which I haven't uploaded yet. Um, but uh, yeah, composting is like uh, it's composting is awesome, and it's a lot of work, and there are other things that are even better. So uh, moving on, here's um, a, a departure a bit uh, from out and out gardening. There were two books by Art Ludwig, Water Storage and Creating an Oasis with Gray Water. Um, water Storage is a book that um, I kind of wish I could memorize. <laughs> uh, and I, I, I need to go out and do experiments along the lines of what he outlines in the book. But, but when you read the book, it just makes it so clear. And it's like when you have this knowledge, it, it seems to apply to so many aspects of so many different things that you're constantly doing. But the book is, is not, a, it's not a big book. It's a, it's a thin book just packed with really important information um, and and it makes very good sense when you read it and then on top of that I, I really like how Art Ludwig's approach to so much stuff is like uh, if you're not sure here's what you do you measure it you go out and you measure it and uh, uh, and he's like don't be afraid of the microscope you need to you need to kind of be microscope savvy if you want to be sure 
you know, and, and I'm just thinking that is just brilliant. That is really the way to fly. Um, and uh, so that's that's his book, Water Storage, and I own I own both of them. And uh, um, on his website, uh, not only does he have a lot of amazing articles of, uh, outside of the world world of these two books, um, but he has a thing where it's like, okay, I'm thinking about writing a new book. Which book do you think I ought to write? And uh, and so then you can vote. And I voted for uh, basically the, his, the the composting toilet book, and because uh, I think that his position in that space um, is very different from Jenkins. And I, I really think that uh, he's going to probably present a lot of information that I don't currently know, um, and I, I want to see that. In fact, I tried to ask him some questions once, and and his response was that um, he wasn't certain, so he didn't want to be reported saying it. And my thinking was is that um, he's, he's, he knows more than most people, and so just his wild-ass guess probably beats the pants off most people who are waving so-called facts around. But isn't that respectable, too, that he didn't want to throw wild-ass stuff around, that he wants to be a little more certain? That, it is. It is. And, and so I didn't, I didn't push it. Um, and I, I, uh, I hope to be able to uh, interview him real soon. I've exchanged emails with him recently, and, and uh, it sounds like I might be able to. But... All right. Well, anyway. Cool. Yeah. Moving on to a... a oh, we should talk about his Greywater book. Right. I didn't talk about that. Right. So, okay. So on his Greywater book um, is the Greywater book. I mean, I don't... I, there's probably some other Greywater books out there, but who gives a damn? I mean, Art Ludwig's book is the book um, on on Greywater. I, I think that one of the things that I really like... I mean, again, a lot of... Let's measure. Let's find out, you know, and... and uh, um, one of the things that I really like is that uh, when you design a home uh, and you, like, let's say you're, you're going to design a home with the idea that you're going to use a composting toilet and you're going to use a gray water system, suddenly all the plumbing becomes like three to four times easier. And, uh, uh, and, and instead of having great big pipes that can handle turds going down, uh, instead you just have these little half-inch pipes because, you know, basically it's just got to carry down whatever is coming, you know, going through the sink or whatever. It doesn't, it, it doesn't need much. It just needs to go downhill and carry it to wherever it's going. Um, it's so much easier. But anyway, the, the, it also it goes into a lot of detail about a lot of different things. Uh, in order to do gray water, uh, what a what an excellent, awesome book. Okay, um, we wrote down two books uh, by Yanto Evans. I'm going to spell that for anybody who wants to look it up and isn't familiar. It's I A N T O Yanto Evans, the hand sculpted house book and the rocket stove mass heater uh, book written with Leslie Jackson. Right, so uh, um, I, I've only browsed the hand sculpted uh, house, and but when I look through, when I have browsed, and I've browsed it three or four times now, um, and I'm looking at just the pictures and whatnot. I mean, there a lot of the book is written about how to make a small home seem larger, and how to make a house feel like a home. And, and I think that these are very important pieces 
that most people um, never contemplate. Uh, and so, uh, and, and there's so much to it. It's like roundness does so much, and it's true. When you go to his, you, when you go to Cobbville and and you look at the things that he's built, and you see, you know, you're you're as you're looking at them, you're like doing. I'm doing the math. I'm thinking this is like only 10 feet by 12 feet. It's like this is way too small to be like somebody's home and at the same time when you're inside it it feels about 50% bigger than that and you know if if Cobb is going to be your medium Cobb is so slow that if you can make your house be significantly smaller that saves you a lot of work and then you can add on more Cobb building later if you want but anyway okay that one's so, so the hand sculpted house um, then, then there's rocket mass heaters, uh, which is something that, you know, I have a lot of videos of, uh, a lot of threads of Permies, uh, a lot of uh, uh, stuff. We've got one podcast about it, I think. Is it just one? Probably just one. Um, but, but rocket mass heaters is such a big, big deal. Now, currently, I think that, that when, it, when it comes to getting uh, rocket mass heaters to really sing for you, I think that um, uh, Ernie and Erica are the people to turn to. Um, Ianto uh, uh, seems to, well, Ianto, Ianto had his heyday, and he wrote the book, fortunately, in his heyday. And, and uh, when we took that uh, workshop with him, I, I really thought it was great, and Ianto gave us a tour, and it was great. And uh, there's a, you know, I have a lot, of, a, lot to be, a lot to be said for what Ianto has accomplished and what he um, knows. Um, and at the same time, um, you know, I just want to be, I've, I've had some people write to me and, and, um, and ask, and, and it seems to be a popular question. And, and, and so I think if you need to have a workshop taught or you need to, you know, you want to do something innovative and you're not sure, or especially if you're going to try to do anything with hot water, definitely bring in Ernie and Erica uh, for that. Well, uh, my impression is Yanto is an architect, and he designs a cob and runs a lot of cob workshops, and they have finished plaster workshops by um, his wife, and they, they have a lot going on. Beyond the rocket mass heaters at Cobb Cottage, and, and and some of the science and geometry that you need to get just right, so there's not um, smoke back and stuff like that, takes a little bit more tinkering and takes someone uh, who's more interested in the science of the fire and the smoke back and the draw um, and playing and playing with that. And I think that's a space that Ernie and Erica have really enjoyed playing in, and, and they've just spent more time with that, whereas Yanto, a lot of his time's gone gone towards designing and building Cobb, is my impression. Yeah, but you might know better than I would. Well, um, I would say there might be some truth to that. It does seem like that's where more of his passion is. I, I do think that the work that he's done is really amazing, and I've learned a lot from him. I just kind of feel like the last time I talked to him, um, I, I would say that there was some communication trouble there, and um, and and so I'm having. I'm, I want to recommend him. I'm I mean, um, from the Wheat and Eco scale, I wrote down that, you know, level nine includes Yanto Evans. And, and frankly, I think that if I go and I, I look at this again, I, I might need to move somebody else up there into that spot. Um, unless we're going to say the list, 
well, if I'm going to put Fukuoka at number nine, I can leave Ianto Evans in there at number nine. What Ianto has contributed is large, significant, and awesome. Well, and, and he's living the talk in so many ways that a lot of people, uh, that I'm not anywhere near living a sustainable life as much as he's truly living a sustainable lifestyle. Very true. Very true. So uh, on to the book, Rocket Mass Heaters, definitely uh, a book to buy. I mean, uh, uh, where else are you going to get this information, really? Um, uh, and, and the book is well done. And uh, I, I heard that they were working on a new edition, um, but, you know, we, we shall see. Right. Um, now we've got kind of a random throwback to those 100 gardening books in that one summer. Uh, you mentioned you were surprised by the information in some ortho books on lawn care and weeds. I, I found at a yard sale somewhere um, somebody was getting rid of these ortho books. And, of course, ortho uh, is the uh, branch of Chevron that makes uh, a, a bunch of different chemicals like, um, you know, uh, weed killer and stuff like that. Um, uh, but anyway, these books, whoever wrote these books, um, I mean, not only are there a lot of good pictures, but, but it's like they must have been like some sort of organic advocate who just had, like this is the only job they could get, writing how to use herbicides, <laughs> You know, so basically, uh, it's it's like they explain uh, each of the plants really well, and um, and what its habitat and what it's an indicator of, and um, and then they talk about and they got several pictures of the plant, and then they talk about um, ways to control it organically, um, and you know, like this weed's becoming a problem for you. Here's here's how you control it organically. Here's a variety of different things you do organically, and then after all. All of that stuff, the last little note is, is here's which ortho product that you would use to control this weed. So, um, uh, frankly, I've, I have uh, gotten huge amounts of value out of these books, especially in the age before the Internet came along. Or, or got to be as full of information as it is now. Um, and I, I still find it kind of hard to, to find particular information I'm looking for, whereas uh, a lot of times when I'm, when I'm you know, doing research on some particular species, this, these ortho books still do it. Now, I've got one that's like the ortho book for lawns, and I've got one that's the ortho book on weeds. and ortho, I, I think I've got like four or five different ones, and they all came from yard sales for a quarter. And um, and I don't I'm I'm pretty sure that they're not even available for sale anymore. So um, that that's just a nice example of a, a, a great source and a. True, I you know, and and there there are lots. There's lots of information out there like that where you just need to be prepared to to uh, uh, sift out uh, the the uh, you know spray toxic dick on it message. You know, <laughs> right, right. So um, then, uh, changing topics again is mortgage free by Rob Roy. Um, I've I have uh, browsed through several of Rob Roy's books, but this is the one book that I have read and really um, really groove on and um, uh, I, I, I like I like a lot of the things he has to say about a lot of different topics but this this book uh, in a nutshell says um, you know 
stop stop being a, a slave to the rat race kind of a thing don't give don't don't go out there and work a whole bunch of extra years in order to be able to give four hundred thousand dollars more to a mortgage company or to a bank uh, um, and so instead what he does is he lays out a plan of uh, build a grub stake um, so you know he, he tries to detail some different techniques for how to live super 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 cheap as opposed to like thinking you know the way you're living now is cheap he like really takes it to another level then you can save up enough money to, for a grub stake uh, and then you go and you buy a chunk of land like maybe you'll go buy 10 acres for $25,000 and uh, now that you got the chunk of land uh, you can go and set up a tent on it and um, over the course of a month build yourself a shack to live in then you live in the shack and while you live in the shack you build yourself uh, a really nice small home very tiny home teeny tiny home but you design it in such a way that you can expand it later right and then you pay for each of these as you go you don't take out loans yeah. right at no point in time do you ever get a loan for any of it that instead you, you just keep you know doing what you can afford as you go along and um, uh, so then, uh, uh, anyway, you're, you're going to pay for the little house, and then you're going to um, uh, pay for the next little addition when you can afford it. Like you're going to save up. You live in the you live in the teeny tiny house for a while, and then after a while, you need an addition. You need to, you need more space. You need something bigger, uh, and then you you pay for the materials for the addition, and then you slowly do the addition, um, and so on and so forth until you have the the house of your dreams. No problem. Okay. Well, in speaking of building things, there's uh, three books you listed by Ben Law, The Woodland Year, The Woodland Way, and Roundwood Timber Framing. Those are all by Ben Law. Yeah. He has at least one more book. I, I think it's called uh, The Woodland House, about a house he built, but I have I have not seen that one. Um but I, uh, but basically, Ben Law's stuff is definitely all very permaculture esque. But it's kind of like um, the whole idea is that you take a forest, you add Ben Law, and now you've got this dude who has a symbiotic relationship with the forest. And now I don't think of it as a forest anymore. I, I, I think of it as a woodland, mostly because, you know, of his books and the titles of his books. And a, and a woodland is a forest with a, a symbiotic relationship with a human being, as opposed to, like, um, like you grow this forest, and then foresters will come by periodically and figure out how to harvest a bunch of wood and, and, and stuff like that. Um, oh yeah, I've got to. I want to have to slam into this motorcycle guy because he doesn't seem to understand what the what the signal system is. So there, everything worked out. The motorcycle guy lived. I lived. All is well. All right. I think we're in the right lane. Yeah. To the beach. We're going to the beach. We are. We're going to the Oregon coast. So and and I. I was really impressed um, by the guy out at Wild Time Farm, just outside of Olympia, Washington, who has done a lot of work with um, some small-scale forestry, and and he was excellent at explaining how human involvement can improve, uh, uh, can accelerate succession, can accelerate the growth, can actually you can even while you're harvesting timber for use for things, you can have 
more trees and a more advanced woodland system um, that's actually offsetting more carbon than if you just leave it totally untouched. Right. So that would be John, right? Yes. John, uh, uh, Wild Time Farm. Yes. Yeah, he's got, an, he's got an awesome opera. I like the way that guy thinks and a lot of the, the, the decisions that he makes there. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've been on his tour with him uh, uh, at least once, I think a couple of times, um, on his land, and it is really impressive. Uh, and, and, yeah, it does smack a bit of Bin Law. I think, I think Bin Law does more. I mean, sure. Um, I don't think Ben Law has a sawmill, and John has a sawmill. Um, but I, I kind of think of Ben Law as like doing a variety of things. And so, uh, Ben Law, I'm not sure if Ben Law does it. I think he does, but a lot of green woodwork. Um, uh, but I might be thinking of Michael Abbott. Another book I have is Green Woodworking. Uh, and the idea being is that you try to make things out of. And I think Ben Law does. If I remember, right. that's Woodland Way. There's a lot of it. But but there's like um, all kinds of things that you do. I mean, there's there's uh, so much diversity of crop that you grow, and then there's like um, all kinds of uh, uh, different harvests and and different kinds of activities that uh, that you do to have a symbiotic relationship and to have a healthy wood. Woodland. Um, and he does a lot of coppicing, um, uh, and then uh, he, I don't know, he pulls lots and lots and lots of different kinds of crops out. Right. Uh, yeah, I think it's a fascinating topic, and I, I think it's an important topic for more people to be aware of, because I think we do have the contingent that says, oh, don't ever cut a tree. And yet, you know, do they live in houses? <laughs> I made I made a forum out of Permies just for with with Ben Law in mind and and in woodland management and um, I I want to I I, you know, I really want to encourage more growth in that space and I and I do feel like I am deficient I mean I've I've owned woodland I've I've worked a lot in the woods and done a lot of wood stuff uh, and and but it's like I I feel like uh, I have a long ways to go on that path and and I and and, and I'm really looking forward to uh, uh, getting land again and, and moving forward down that path more. Um, the uh, the other book, so he's got the, the Woodland Way, which is his is oldest book. Uh, and then there's the Woodland Year, which is a beautiful photo book. of, uh, And it tells stories. So it's got, you know, so it's divided into 12 parts, one for each month. And I think each part focuses on an individual that has a certain expertise in an area of woodland stuff um, and then uh, then there's the one that's the uh, the roundwood timber framing which um, I've, I've now browsed uh, several times um, and uh, uh, it really I, I like how the book goes into a lot of detail about each species of wood um, and and now I've done a podcast review of uh, Ben Law's uh, DVD um, uh, that's also roundwood timber framing uh, goes it's called complimentary to the book, I suppose, um, and I did it with a guy that is a, um, uh, a timber framing guy. He's, an, he's uh, done a lot of timber framing, and, it, and, and he was doing analysis on the DVD, and he, was, he found it very um, favorable. He was very excited about it. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, then, I don't know. You'll have to tell me whether you think 
if you need one guide for homesteading, whether this would be it or not. Do you know what I'm talking about? I bet it's the Encyclopedia of Country Living by Carla Emery. <laughs> That's exactly it, yeah. Yeah, uh, this book is huge. And and it's like got a little bit of the book at the very beginning where she kind of tells her personal story, and um, which is just kind of heart-wrenching uh, in so many different ways. How she started off, and then she's like basically got copies of the book that she's made, and, and she's, you know, it's like a three-ring binder or something, and, and she's trying to stop people on the street. Hey, you want to buy my book? And she's like scraping by on the sales of this book. I mean, talk about a strong, independent woman who is going to, like, get by no matter what. Uh, I thought it was just uh, just really impressive. Uh, and then her book caught on, and everybody wants it, and she's in the 10th uh, the edition and gets the 10th edition to press, and then she's at some kind of event where she's a speaker, and she dies just uh, a few years back. Um, what a what a sad loss to the world. Uh, you know, she was really hitting her stride with that book, and I was just you know chomping at the bit to see all the different ways it was going to blossom. I uh, I sent her some ideas. I I haven't even checked to see if the things I sent her appeared. And but actually, I think I think the stuff I sent her was after the tenth edition went to print. Um, and uh, uh, um, or anyway, I haven't checked. But it was, that was in 2005 that she died. But no, this book is immense, and uh, for every topic, there's just gobs and gobs of details. Now, for the things where I know, where I feel like I know a lot, uh, I feel like there's a lot of information in it that I don't agree with. Um, but uh, I, at the, at the same time, um, for anything, for, for topics where I feel like I'm a little weak on, I, I do lean heavily on that. Of course, I'll go and I'll read like eight different sources a lot of times for the things that I'm about to do. Well, um, that butcher gave you some leaf lard, and we went to render it, and someone out on Permies... Uh, um, Jamie, I think it was, gave a bunch of information on rendering lard in the cooking of food preservation forum. And, and so I started rendering it away at, at your place one day. And, and then I think we pulled out, um, Carla Emery's encyclopedia and started looking at what she had in there about rendering lard. And there was a bunch more information that was incredibly helpful to what we were doing, how to store it, how long it stores. I mean, and, and that's just one example. Well, and that's another cool thing about what she does is that, is that she'll share a variety of perspectives instead of just having one perspective. Rather than saying, this is the way to do it. She'll, she'll have an they're like this person from so and so says that they like to do it this other way, and, and here's what they here's why they say they like to do it this way, and then here's this other person who says that they hate doing it that way because of this and this and that, but here's other stuff that they like to do. So um, it's 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 multifaceted, you know, right in the book as opposed to like you know uh, like like for example with with Joel Salatin's work, my uncle Doug went out to Joel Salatin's place, and he said you can't believe a good thing this guy says because he's got like this six feet deep topsoil. Of course, everything is going to be awesome, <laughs> you know? And, and so everything that he writes about in his book is very specific to where he is. And I don't think that that's 
entirely true, but I do think that there's a lot of truth to that. And there's and that's a that's a truth that appears in a lot of different books. Uh, and where where the book is is very it's saying this is the way, and and it turns out that there's like tons and tons of ways. Only that person only knows one way. So, the Encyclopedia of Country Living by Carla Emery. So, and I, and I yeah, and, and this is just from memory. <laughs> right, right. Um, then um, another kind of general reference book for homesteading that you thought was pretty good, and I think you thought there might be a new edition for it, was the Back to Basics by Reader's Digest. Yeah, I, I actually had the old edition for a while, and uh, and it disappeared. Uh, and then I got the new edition, and it's a it's a book that has a lot of really good information in it on a lot of different topics, and uh, it, not. Not it's 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 kind of like a general book, and it's got a lot of good pictures and diagrams of things that don't seem to appear in very many other books. Um, and uh, it's it's really well done. It's really really thorough in some aspects. Um, uh, but mostly, I gotta tell you, the thing that I love about it the most is that um, when I uh, and so I'm talking about the old edition. When I was looking to get a farm and all I had was uh, um, an urban lot with, uh, a gar- with gardening everywhere, uh, and I was, I was dreaming of more land, then this was probably the number one book I turned to just to fantasize about farming. Um, and so, sure. so it's got a lot of good information in it, uh, um, but I, I, I don't seem to turn to it as a reference as much. But, uh, but it is a book where it's like you want to get somebody tasted up for life on the farm. I think this would be a good one. Okay. And and then you've also enjoyed the more compilations of what she's written for Backwoods Home magazine. But you've enjoyed um, Jackie Clay, and and she writes about canning and homesteading. Is that right? True. Uh, uh, Jackie Clay is a regular columnist at Backwoods Home magazine, and uh, Backwoods Home magazine sells like these books that are kind of like compilations of what an author has contributed over the bunch of years on a certain topic or whatever. And um, uh, I, I, I like what Jackie Clay has to say, and she's got her personal story too, which is, again, another heart-wrenching story. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, Jackie Clay moved to um, a pathetic little piece of property somewhere, and she's getting it to sing for her. And it sounds like, while it's not all by herself, it's, like, close. And um, uh, and it's like, how do you, you know, build a life in a homestead uh, on a on a chunk of property out in the middle of nowhere? And uh, but anyway, she does. So this is the first uh, for a lot of things that you think you could do, but you'd never heard of anybody doing. Like I had never heard of anybody canning bacon before uh, reading it from Jackie Clay. And uh, so now uh, I've got her book on on canning. And when I go through it, there's there are some bits and bobs that I don't agree with. But for the most part, I think that she, she has a huge amount of, of knowledge that, that she's sharing. Right, right, which is, which 
which is great. Um, now, here's a whole spate of books, and these are not necessarily in pub, pub order of publication, um, but I'll list them off, and the last one, we're not sure about the title, if we have that right, but it's Salad Bar Beef, Pastured Poultry Profits, Everything I Want to Do is Illegal, The Sheer ex- Ecstasy of a Lunatic Farmer, You Can Farm, and Holy Cows and Hog Heaven. Um, that last one, we're not sure if we have the title right, and I bet you can guess by now that we're talking about Joel Salatin. Yeah, uh, I, I think that the the one is uh, one of the titles I, I know is a little bit different. Um, now I can't remember which one. I, I think it's the one that's uh, Salad Bar Beef You Can Farm. The sheer ecstasy. The sheer ecstasy of a lunatic farmer. The sheer ecstasy of being a lunatic farmer. Uh, I, I think now this is all just from memory, so I you know I'm not really all that, I'm not terribly sure, but I think that that's what it is. But yeah, Joel Salatin is a brilliant, brilliant man, and. And uh, before moving on to my farm, I read all of his books at least three times. And um, uh, and I and once I got to the farm, of course, I started doing everything the way that he recommends and the way that he advocates. And then it was and it was so. For example, with the chicken stuff, I was doing the chicken pins. And if you look at my article on chicken. Um, you can see how I started off with a Salatin-like pin, and then I evolved it as, you know, it's like I didn't like it to be that way, and I wanted something more. So then, uh, and it was about the, the version 8 that I was in the middle of building when I got the idea of uh, effectively doing a paddock shift system. And uh, um, now, you know, now I'm a powerful advocate of a paddock shift system, and I think I'd like to see Salatin move in that direction a lot more. Um, uh, but you know, hey, uh, he's he's also uh, moving a lot more product than I am today. <laughs> so, uh, what, what 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 can I say? You know, but yes, um, uh, if we we can go through each of those titles. Uh, Salad Bar Beef, I think, was the first one. So basically, talking about paddock shift system for beef, um, and. Uh, uh, I can't remember if he mentions Alan Savory in his book, but it's basically Alan Savory's stuff. Um, and that's another book we have on the list, Holistic Management by Alan Savory. Yeah, yeah. And so we'll have to come back to him a little bit later. But uh, Salad Bar Beef definitely is about a, a paddock system with cattle. Uh, and, and he writes for, um, or at least he wrote, I haven't seen it in a while, a, a magazine uh, called the Stockman Grass Farmers Journal, which basically assumes everybody is doing this stuff with the uh, um, the paddock chip systems. You know, every everything in there starts there because it, it's worked out so incredibly awesome for everybody that it's like that's the way to do it. Um, all right, what is the next book? Um, Pasture poultry, poultry yeah. profits. Yeah. So this is going to be the chicken pen stuff where you uh, you move the uh, you put the bunch of chickens to a ten by twenty pen and you'll move the pen uh, uh, once or possibly twice a day, um, preferably twice a day. Um, and uh, a lot of people are doing that now. Um, uh, really having great luck. And the, the, the big thing is is that. Uh, when you're when you're running a system and you're selling the chickens for about the same as what you're paying for feed, then uh, you start looking for ways to cut back on that, uh, cut back on the feed bill. 
Um, and so Salatin's techniques cuts the feed bill by a good 20%. And so suddenly, you know, you, you go from pennies of profit to dollars of profit. And then on top of that, the quality of, uh, of, the, of everything is raised significantly. And so you can actually sell it for more, um, thus in, improving your profit further. Uh, brilliant stuff. Really brilliant stuff. Right. Um, the next one was everything I want to do is illegal. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, um, <laughs> the book is a big, long rant about all the different things that, um, and, and uh, it's, it's bizarre what he can't do. So, for example, a great example is, is that, you know, uh, he uh, is not allowed to, to butcher a hog on his land and then sell people a package of bacon. It's against the law. And, and he goes into a lot of detail about why the law is stupid. And, and he quotes a lot of different numbers. And, and then it's like now we've, we, you know, it's like there's one, you know, there's reasons why they made things the way that they did. And usually it's, uh, usually those reasons are not entirely ethical. But uh, he goes into a lot of detail about a lot of these different problems and um, how they need to be fixed. I think that, um, uh, I'm trying to think, there's an author that's more of a poet, um, Wendell Berry. Wendell Berry, I believe, sat before Congress and said, you need to arrest me because I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it this way. And um, I think that it's perfectly, it's the best thing to do and the best way to go about it. And it's basically your own sinister shit that's saying that it's illegal. You guys just have no fucking idea what the hell you're doing. So you're going to have to arrest me. I'm now old enough that um, all my kids are adults and it's just me. There's no one else. So you're going to have to come to my farm and I'm going to do these things. And you, I'm telling you now, Congress... Send, send out your police, send out your armed thugs to come and arrest me for, for breaking the law. Because I'm telling you now, I'm going to break all of them. I'm going to break. You've got all these laws about you know, preventing me from doing agriculture in the way that is best for my community. And I'm going to break them all. Bring it. I, I was just going to man, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're not even, we're about halfway through our list, and we're at almost an hour. I'm just letting you know, almost an hour on this podcast. Really? Yeah, yeah. And so um, th- th- everything I want to do is illegal is one of Salatin's more recent books, I think. His most recent one is The Sheer Ecstasy of a Lunatic Farmer. I don't think you've read that yet. Right. The Sheer Ecstasy of being a oh, lunatic okay. farmer. I uh, I don't own that book, but um, I think it was Acres USA magazine had chapter one in the magazine, and and so I read I read that and it was just awesome. I mean, it's like uh, it's like taking the, the the everything I want to do is illegal book and taking a lot of that stuff. And, and just taking it to the next level, and and it was it was poetry. It was it was the happiness in in, in like what is happiness? What what is? 
and and what is good food and um, uh, I don't know it was you know it was kind of like and then you know kind of mixing it in with like by the way just you know having this happiness and doing these things um, which seems so right so very very right and healthy and good and wholesome are these things are illegal and it's kind of like well I guess I'm crazy then you know and right. and uh, the, the way that he expressed it was just really good um uh wow uh, his his ability to write has like evolved to a new level of of poetry without being poetry oh, it's it's nice. just it was just joyous to read okay well then the other two we have and of course this was a random list um, and this is an example of it were, were must be older books by Salatin You Can Farm and Holy Cows and Hog Heaven or that's one we're not sure about the title so You Can Farm was I believe his first book okay. and it was it was very uh, general general farming stuff and a lot, a lot of this a lot of that a lot of the other and and how you can get all the money to work out and he talked about um, if I remember correctly he talked about how he preferred a tractor over a horse he didn't see why anybody would you know like real farmers don't have horses uh, was I think part of what he was saying um, and I, I can see his point uh, and then uh, um, the the holy cows and hog heaven I kind of think if I remember correctly um, that book was was written with the idea that this is what you give to your customers when you have a business model that's a salatin style business model and you're doing salatin style work this is a book that you can hand out to your best customers to get them to keep coming back to help kind of explain your philosophies and stuff right right um, and then if we move past salatin to the awesome, the amazing, the mighty, the glorious, the amazing Sepulcher. That's right. That's uh, the guy. Uh, right. And, and you know, uh, um, I think we could wrap up this hour with those two books and then do a part two with the other, oh, with the rest. Do, we could do part two sitting on the beach. That's true. We could. With our toes in the sand. Toes, our toes in the ocean. Oh, I stand corrected. <laughs> so, uh, all right. The Mighty, the Glorious, the Amazing Sepulcher wrote some books. And then one of the books got translated to English. And that book, uh, let's see if I can remember, It was that's The Rebel Farmer, I believe. Yes. And uh, that one's kind of a biography. And, uh, and it's got a lot of interesting stories. And he talks about all the fines he's paid and why he paid the fines and, and why they came after him and the government hassling him over this and hassling him over that. And and uh, and that kind of thing. And there's a lot of little. There's bits of information about, you know, how he grows his apple trees a particular way. Um, and, but it's like it's a little low on substance and a little high on like watch out for the government. So it's basically like Salson's book. Uh, Everything I want to do is illegal. Um, only it's like uh, it's, it's more of a history than about like. And now it's time to give the government a kick in the nuts. Uh, and and I kind of get the impression that Holzer has has a uh, Done some nut kicking in his day. <laughs> so then the uh, then the newer book is the one that just came out a few months ago, Sepp Holter's Permaculture. Right. Um, and I I have I am ashamed to admit that I have not completely I have not finished reading the book. 
I have read I've read every letter of probably the first half and then I've browsed the second half like four or five times um, and of course I think the book is amazing there's so much stuff in there that nobody knew I mean out of all the books that I've read in the past there's a ton of information in Holzer stuff because this is this is for me this is a big struggle that I have I, I have a really hard time reading books anymore because I open it up and it's it's full of um, bullshit I mean it's either information I already know or else it's information that I know well I should say wait. I didn't know it's wrong I wait. the stuff I don't agree with I know I don't agree with it wait you're not saying that about Seth are you no I'm not I'm not thank you thank you I just had to ask so the, I, what, I, what I am saying is is that I'm having a hard time reading books these days because of that like I'll pick up a book and somebody's like oh you gotta read this book and then I go and I read the book and it's kind of like that book was was like 30% stuff that I already knew and 70% bullshit at least contrary to my philosophies on things like I don't agree that that's the way to do it and um, and at least with this book from SEP it's um, a ton of information that I believe is not out there a lot of it is stuff that I already knew because you know I've spent so much time with SEP in person hearing it from well from the interpreter's mouth <laughs> but uh, this the, the book covered I mean when I would turn around and I would try to talk to people about this you know um, and, and they get this look on their face like I am crazy via the crazy Austrian guy um, then at least now there's this book in English which will make it all seem less crazy so I'm just grateful that the book exists right so these two Rebel Farmer and um, Sepulzer's Permaculture are translated to English um, and you thought he might have more books than that but they might not be translated the other ones that's my impression is that there are other books out there that are in German that are not yet translated so okay. this is this is all we got but we got the, the big one is the Sepulzer's Permaculture I think um, although you know much like how Salatin like when the last time I saw Salatin I asked him when are you going to come out with a book about pigs and it's kind of like it just seems like it's not his thing now he's got he's far too passionate now about the healing and, and stuff down that path so um, therefore he's I don't I don't don't expect a book from him on pigs anytime soon um, this is following his passion so I imagine that with Holzer if Holzer could pick which one to get translated it would probably be his biography because it's like the biggest problem that farmers have is is being told by the government don't do that you know uh, unless you are uh, a Monsanto sanctioned organization or you're following our USDA rule book which is huge and annoying then um, you don't get to farm and if you try to farm outside of you know our control then uh, we're gonna fuck you up which by the way makes me think of um, you know, as the as the big government is like looking for ways to to cut costs, it kind of makes me think. Boy, here's a department that seems to have too much money. <laughs> right, right. Well, we covered in about an hour 27 books, and we've got another 20 odd to go, and and then there were also some magazines that I know you referred to quite a bit. Um, 
and and I think that could be a whole another hour podcast in itself. From the beach. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So um, I think I think this one's a wrap for now. All right, do the you do the thing. You do the wrap up. <laughs> You've never done it. <laughs> no, no. People like you no, no. to do it. I don't always do it. You're it. It's in that cartoon, and that was people's favorite part of the cartoon. The, if you like this sort of thing. <laughs> Is that, that's right. Was that in the cartoon? It was. The very last frame of that cartoon that guy drew for you and put out at Permis was you saying, if you like this sort of thing. Oh, come on. Just do it one time. <laughs> one time. Everybody likes hearing you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Didn't it? Um, nope. It's yours. It's yours. Oh. If you like this sort of thing, <laughs> come on out to the forums at permies.com, where we talk about books and homesteading and permaculture all the time. <laughs> <laughs>